Good morning and welcome to Beacon Church on the Sofa. Uh, so glad you could join us. If this is your first time, you're more than welcome and we pray you will be richly blessed. As a result, um, in just a few moments, uh, I'll be speaking uh, on the subject of prayer and how that's tied up in our, our very identity as God's people. But um, before um, we hand, I hand over to the recording, um, we just uh, a quick reminder of what's been happening at the moment. We're now in the middle of our March prayer month. And uh, just looking back on Friday, we had our No Food Friday, where we as a church, we fasted together to um, just to celebrate God in Thanksgiving and to seek more of his presence. And so looking forward, we're now in a week where our theme is church and family. And our vision as a church is focused on that very much. It's about family and growth and invitation. Uh, we, we, we are called to be and therefore we aim to grow in being a family of Jesus followers, a family of God's people who are encouraging each other to grow and inviting others to join this adventure that we're on in journeying with him and getting to know him more. And family is right at the start of that. Family is vital to recognising we're not just a club, we're not just a UK charity. Uh, we are, the Bible says, we're not like family. It's not a metaphor. We literally are God's family saved through Jesus. And so let's press into that this, this week. Um, let's be praying for individuals by name. Let's pray for breakthroughs and blessings in people's lives. Maybe come up with a list. I know some of you do this already, but if you don't, maybe come up with a list and maybe break it down. A few people, different people per day this week, be praying for them, be praying for breakthroughs and blessings in their lives. And let's specifically be praying for our kids and young people, our teens. Uh, they are equally church just as much as the rest of us are uh, let's just be praying that, that our kids and our teenagers may flourish that they may be rooted firmly in him as they grow and as they mature and as they become adults let's be praying for our kids and young people uh, please do be praying for us leaders as well for uh, for the elders uh, but also for the wider um, leaders for our small group leaders for those with areas of responsibility please pray that they that we might have god's wisdom uh, as as we as we govern and lead and uh, inspire and encourage and so on, as we seek His guidance and His will for direction, we may we have His wisdom, may we have insight uh, to not miss kind of blind spots and things, areas, people we need to be looking after that we may have otherwise missed. Please pray for that. Please pray for energy for us as well, wisdom, insight, and energy. That'd be fabulous for the leaders. And let's pray for unity. When Paul writes to the uh, church in Ephesus, um, at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4, his urge to them is that they might be um, maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's just keep seeking unity between us. Let's be active in that, but let's be praying for that. Let there be a prayer for us as, as God's people, as his family, Beacon Church. May there be true unity amongst us that will just declare more of his glory, uh, will welcome more of his presence, and will instigate a greater united being on mission togetherness as well so please do pray for that um, pray for individuals pray for the kids and young people pray for the leaders pray for unity and then don't forget next saturday the 13th is our no screen saturday where similar to our no food friday we're going to go without screens for 24 hours just to give us time and space to press in longer and deeper as we're able to seek more of these things and to see what god will do so uh I, I, I trust that that you find that helpful for this coming week. Um, you're not going to see me at the end after after the sermon. Um, instead, there'll be a reminder of what I've just said. It will come up on a title card, 
and it also go in the midweek update email this week as well. Uh, but just before that, as the sermon ends, a another title card will come up beforehand that will just help stir our prayers in the moment. Following what I've just been speaking on, some stuff will come up on the screen just to help you press pause and be get praying, uh, having just heard the message. I trust you'll find that helpful. Uh, please do be blessed. Have a great week. Uh, may you be blessed by hearing from God's word now. And uh, I'm going to we're going to press play on the recording right now. Be blessed. Good morning. Yeah, and here we are in our March prayer month for the third year running. As uh, I've explained already over previous weeks and so on, that over different weeks during this month, we're going to have a different focus. Um, next Sunday, John is going to be preaching on um, praying for our nation. And the following week, that will be our theme, our focus in prayer. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be preaching on praying for our neighbours, for loved ones, work colleagues, praying for our neighbours, praying for salvation. And that will be our theme that week. And then week four, Andrea, as we finish, um, we'll be looking at encouragements from history, people who have prayed and uh, God has used mightily. And um, we can learn from being encouraged from as March comes to an end. Let, let's not allow our prayers to come to an end and tail off. Let's keep doing what we're doing and what we're learning right now. So um, this week, though, as we start, um, I just want to speak on how prayer is and needs to be tied up in our very identity as God's people, not just seen as an activity that we do. Uh, I mean, for, for a start, let's be honest. Who's good at praying? Put, put, put your hand up. Yeah. Uh, probably none of us is actually good at praying if we're honest we can all struggle at different times and in different ways but the encouraging thing is that not only that none of us are alone in finding it hard but also that the problem can lie therefore in us finding it hard that problem can lie in how we view it in the first place our tendency can be to view prayer as something we do among a list of all the other things that christians do uh, we read our Bibles and we sing worship songs and we perform acts of kindness and we pray and we do small groups and so on. It just gets added to a list. But that unconscious perspective that reduces prayer far beneath what it really is and is actually missing out on the point that our identity as God's people is what fuels and enables prayer. It's not a I must try harder because it's, it's expected of me kind of thing. Or, or it's even, I'll leave the big praying to the experts. Those who are better than me. I'll, I'll leave it to the professionals except for when I need something. Which can sound very flippant and can sound very caricatured. But until we realise that that is how so many of us, if not all of us, can operate at times, isn't it? The truth is this. Prayer is far less about what we do and far more about who we are as God's people I mean let's just take a look at the Bible as, as we work our way through early human history uh, in the early part of the Old Testament right from the beginning of the Bible we see far less about prayer if anything than we do of scenes of people simply praying that's what it presents the Bible on this subject is less of a user manual and more of a photo album even right at the beginning in the Old Testament it just says things like and Abraham prayed to God for such and such to be healed. And Isaac prayed to the Lord that his wife would get pregnant. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And so on and so on and so on it goes. It's just a whole list as you work your way through. It just presents it as this is what it looks like to be God's people. It's purely observation without 
any explanation. This is who they are. This is what they're doing. There's no real dissection of prayer and like the mechanics of how it works. It's just rather there's just depictions of scenes where it happens. And any further discussion that does occur along the way in the Bible at any point is, is rather about the when you pray rather than don't forget to study the workings of prayer. I mean, it's like it's like driving a car. How many of us really understand how a car engine works? Ultimately, probably most of us don't. And yet most of us can still drive a car without having the foggiest clue of what's going on underneath that bonnet. So let me stress this again the bible when it comes to prayer is less of a user manual and it's more of a photo album why because it's more interested in the presence and the impact of prayer than it is in us understanding how this car engine really works it's just saying don't worry about the crankshafts and the gaskets just get driving and so with that in mind while understanding in the first place that this is a biblical assumption of what it means to be God's people, then let's look a little more closely at what the Bible does reveal to help us even more fully grasp that prayer is so tightly knitted and woven into who we are as God's people. And so with that in mind, we're going to park prayer to one side for a minute. <laughs> Caught you out there. Let's just look at the subject of justice just for a moment and then we'll come back to prayer. Let's just take a sidestep. Look at the theme of biblical justice for a moment. Because justice, true justice, is about repair. It's about making right. I mean, if, if, someone, if someone steals £20,000 and that thief is caught and then sent to prison, we could argue that consequences have been met, that punishment has been dealt. But true justice is still not fully fulfilled unless the thief also repays the money that they stole. True justice isn't just about punishing, it's also about restoration and about repair. And we can see this in the gospel too. How not only is punishment for our crimes against God and each other meted out on Jesus, that's taken off us and put on him, but also through him, our broken relationship with God is also restored too. What we should have made up for and repaired, we can't. He even steps in and does that for us as well. Jesus takes our punishment and we get restored. Not, not just restored with what we deserve, but even better, restored with what we don't deserve. Jesus gets what we deserve, our punishment. We get what we don't deserve, mercy and restoration. And so even nevertheless, even the crazy love that is built into that, nevertheless bound up there in the heart of justice is that final destination. It's repair and making right. And now, if you just look around us, look, we clearly live in a world where all is not right. And every single one of us human beings has cried out against injustice and against wrongs, whether they're things that affect us personally or things we see on our telly. This world is broken, ultimately by us. And the point of the gospel is that we can fully know the good God who loves us so much, he stepped into our brokenness, and carried that brokenness upon his own shoulders on the cross so that through him we might be made whole again. That's the beauty of Jesus and the joy of what it means to become his people. Being made whole again. And in the meantime, we still remain in a world that is still broken. 
And so the Bible is packed full of God's intentions and interactions with or without us. I mean, at the very start, it's in his nature. It's in his very being. It's in his character. You look at the likes of Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. It says, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. And Psalm 89, verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. And Isaiah 61 verse 8. For I the Lord love justice. It's in God's character. He effectively he bleeds justice. And then the same goes for his requests of us through the Bible. Again Isaiah 1 verse 17. Learn to do good seek justice correct oppression bring justice to the fatherless plead the widow's cause micah 6 verse 8 what does the lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your god proverbs 21 verse 3 to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the lord than sacrifice and so we see justice is born from the very heart of God and as his people we get swept up into that very same intent so now if we come back to the subject of prayer that word pray that we see in the bible outside of prayerful praise celebrating God for who he is but when it comes to asking for things the word that is so often used throughout the old testament time and time again is this hebrew word porlau uh, it happens 82 times in the Old Testament. Abraham prayed, Isaac prayed, it's poor Lau. And this word, it carries actually a sense of mediation, of coming between and arbitration, resolving disputes. Straight away, we see prayer is about seeking justice. Abraham prayed for a person's healing. Isaac prayed for fertility where there was none. Moses prayed for mercy for a nation, nationwide turnaround in the plagues and that God's people might be released. And this carries on through history to Jesus himself. We see in John chapter 17 where Jesus prays for his father to receive his rightful glory. You're not getting it. I pray that you'll get it. Jesus prays for his disciples to be protected. Lord, this isn't right. Will you keep them safe? Jesus prays for his love to be demonstrated through his people. People aren't seeing it. Will they see it through my people? He's praying for something's not right. Will you make it right? Will you make it so? Time and time again, prayer is rooted in a plea to the one who can intervene and saying this isn't right and it should be. You're the one we're turning to who can. Straight away, we can get a hold of prayer being more than just having a shopping list of nice things we'd like. At the heart of prayer, we find justice. Prayer is fundamentally about an appeal for something that is not right to be fixed, to be repaired. For God to get the attention and the glory that he deserves. For right to overcome wrong. For crooked to be made straight. For truth to trump lies. For brokenness to be made whole. Suddenly we discover in the most basic understanding of prayer the very heartbeat of God. And therefore, as God's people reborn with his spiritual DNA, should that not increasingly 
be what stirs us through our everyday lives. Prayer is a continuation of living out what it means to be God's people and therefore his representatives on earth. This translates perfectly across the rest of the Bible from the Old Testament into the New Testament. I've already mentioned John 17, but throughout the New Testament, again, we find the very same unchanging God and the very same understanding of prayer, notably in the story that Jesus tells of the persistent widow. Let's have a look at Luke chapter 18, the first eight verses. Um, Karen's just going to read them to us now. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Mike Betts once said that prayer is at its best in the context of drama. And you, you look all the way through the book of Acts, every corporate prayer time when God's people gather together to pray it's always in the context of drama something's not right and needs to be right uh, there's a need for more leaders in the church or there's political oppression or there's sickness or there's the seeking of truth or when people get imprisoned and so on there's this tension in things not being right and their primary response was therefore prayer let's pray we need to pray about this I don't see much drama or justice in asking for nice things I'd like which can be our tendency but this parable in Luke 18 that Jesus uses to encourage us into more prayer, what is it focused on? It's focused on drama and justice. Something isn't right and needs to be right. And so here we find this widow, this woman who by nature she has nowhere else to go. She's weak, she's poor, she's vulnerable, she has an adversary, she, she has an abuser effectively. She's a widow. She has no husband to fight for her. And this judge is her only option. In that culture, he would ultimately have been the one to decide in civil disputes. And this widow, she wouldn't have gone to him. He's a fallible human judge who even described her as someone with no respect or fear for man or God. This widow, she wouldn't have gone to him without some degree of trust that it would nevertheless pay off. Otherwise, she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have gone and as we see here, on to the only place she knows that she can find justice. And so I've got to ask a question. How often do we treat God as our only option or our first option? Is, it, is he often our last resort? Do we get on with things alone? Do we sit and worry about things? Do we, are we in the habit of being self-sufficient? I know I have. How often do I turn to him first and foremost as the resolver of disputes as the repairer of perfect justice things in my life things in the lives of others so just as we compare this very story to us in the context we all find ourselves in as christians as god's people here on earth whatever our class whatever our color whatever our culture across the earth we are god's people we are not we are no longer of this broken world 
but Jesus is nevertheless sending us into it. There's more of that in John 17. In order to represent him. In order to partner in his mission. In order to proclaim his good news. In order to seek his unfolding kingdom in the lives of the people around us. In order to enact and ask for his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In order to see justice. Justice just it burns in the very heart of God. And as his people, it should do so in ours too. And prayer, as we see, is ultimately a seeking of justice. Whether that's individually or together, as we pray, we are seeking the heart of a just God and asking for his intervention. He's not Father Christmas. He's Father God. Which isn't to say we can't ask for nice things. It's okay, biblical, to ask for our daily bread. It's okay to ask for fun. He's not pious and po-faced. Only do the serious stuff. No, he's a God who likes to laugh. But he's also a God who's quick to cry over injustice. Uh, Jesus cried over a city. Jesus cried over individuals. Jesus wore his heart on his sleeve. And as we see in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. So let's be the epitome of what it means to be God's people, joining in with his heart for justice, seeking protection for the vulnerable, seeking peace for the troubled, seeking truth to prevail, seeking freedom for the bound, seeking his good news to be heard and responded to. This March prayer month is an opportunity to seek all of that. So let's press in with expectation, with encouragement and with a desire to see God intervene in situations that just aren't right. Let's be asking him, let's be inviting him, let's be calling on him to bring justice and rescue, displaying his glory as he repairs and restores and makes whole. Let's be asking for that. Let that be born out of who we are. Carl Maidman is a friend of our church, uh, a friend of mine and some of you guys as well. We go back many years. Um, he leads the New Frontiers Church out in Tenterden on the Weald in West Kent. And he and I, we were praying together recently, just a couple of weeks ago. And while we were praying, Carl had a word for Beacon Church that the time is coming to raise our sail higher and wider in order to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. And unbeknownst to him, that ties in beautifully with a picture from Pete Pemberthy at our church weekend away in 2015, which is about us building a big ship to set sail. It had no sails, in fact, but a big ship to set sail. We were building the ship, and I believe we've been doing that over the recent years. Um, but Carl then said that um, he felt the Lord is impressing on us to raise our sail higher and wider in order to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. And Carl connected that with an increase in prayer and particularly with opportunities to do, to do so through this March prayer month. I'm, I'm, ex I'm expecting God to do some mighty things this month and beyond. I'm excited for this. I'm intrigued and, and looking forward to seeing what he's going to do. I'm fully encouraged and expectant. Not in terms of him giving me or us nice things, ultimately, but actually in terms of further unfolding his wonderful mission of true justice through us. That of bringing the lost home, binding up the injured, of healing the broken. Isn't that your heart as well? Let's be praying from a God-given heart that's on fire for justice to be done. 
and with the safe knowledge that prayer is far less about what we do and it's far more about who we are as God's people partnering with him <laughs> what a privilege partnering with him in seeing his will being done here on earth let's get praying I'm going to pray now Father God, we thank you that not only do you have this wonderful, mind-blowing, earth-shattering rescue mission afoot, even still today, but that you catch us up into it as well, Lord. We thank you that you call us as co-partners. That we, that is something we, we don't deserve, we should never have expected, and yet you, you grant us as your people, as now members of your royal family, you call us into the family business of rescue. And we thank you so much. There is so much around us that is not right, and yet you want to intervene, you care, you do intervene. We thank you so much that you, you, for God so loved the world. You love this world that you gave your only son. You're willing to go above and beyond. And you do roll your sleeves up and get stuck in. We thank you that you're still doing that now. Lord, we are here. We position ourselves as your people, readily available. Will you use us? Will you stir in our hearts a, a deeper desire to pray simply because it's, is born out of who we are now uh, will you break our hearts for um, areas of injustice areas of brokenness areas where wrong is not right where crooked is not straight and true lord will you will you help us to spot these things and may our first primary response be to get on our knees before you and cry out for justice and may our ears be open for when you want us to be part of that solution as well Lord, we are here. We are your people stirring us things to pray for. As we now pray on the back of this, will you um, put in our hearts individuals, situations, things we may be aware of already, things we may not be aware of already, things to pray for, things to seek restoration in. And uh, Lord, <laughs> break our hearts for the lost, break our hearts for the broken in order that you might be glorified above and beyond. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Let's get praying.